You're listening to episode 316 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we take a moment to acknowledge one of our Patreon supporters' requests by discussing the pilot episode of the original BBC adaptation of Dirk Gently. I enjoyed it. I, you know, after having seen, you know, the the most recent version, which, you know, was okay. I didn't see the whole first season. I know you did, but uh, I rather enjoyed this one. Yeah, um, I I really liked it. Uh, First of all, I will put out there that Douglas Adams is probably one of my favorite authors of all time. And that I have read the Dirk Gently novels and uh, even the... He, you know, he died creating a third Dirk Gently novel, and uh, he 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 wasn't done. It wasn't even near completion. Um, but they turned it. They you know created kind of like a book out of it. And have other little short um, writings from Douglas Adams called The Salmon of Doubt. So I've read all of those. I don't really remember any of them though. But uh, you know, I've t- actually taught Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, before, and so. And I, and I, I just that t- his type of humor really like uh, you know rings my bell. So this is you know this is a great choice because this is just right up my alley. Yeah. Now I haven't read any of the Dirk Gently series, but I, I certainly did read the Hitchhiker series, and I, I think maybe what you're saying here, books that we read in our late teens and twenties. There might be extenuating circumstances why we don't remember them all, but uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, I mean that could be, but it's just been so long. You know, I know. I've I just, know. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I mean, don't I'm know that if I like what you're suggesting there, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do want to thank Fred for pointing out that the 2010 adaptation that we're going to talk about is simply titled Dirk Gently and not Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which is what I was putting out there initially and the title of the 2017 18 series was titled that so this is just dirk gently and is, is that what the books were titled as well just dirk gently and no then- the uh, the first one was called dirk gently's holistic detective agency the second one was called the long dark tea time of the soul which is my absolute favorite title i think of any book ever and then the third one that, you know, like see never completed was called The Salmon of Doubt. So, okay, cool. Now, before we get too much farther into the discussion, I need to ask, what is up with Montana, North Dakota, Wyoming, Alaska, and West Virginia? Dude, we have no listeners in any of those states. I mean, we have more listeners in Sri Lanka than those five <laughs> states combined. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to make uh, schedule some personal appearances out there or something. Oh, dude, I don't know. I mean, come on, people. Maybe what they are you don't doing get out television there? out there? Well, yeah, West Virginia is right in our backyard. You know, we should maybe go out there and uh, go out to um, like Morgantown for a weekend or something. Just uh, chat up some college kids, tell them to listen to our podcast. Now, not surprisingly, most of our listeners are in California, New York, Virginia, bigger states population-wise. But we've also had a surge in membership requests for the Facebook group the past few weeks. And certainly, Wayne and I want to welcome you all. And please feel free to start your own thread, as long as it's related to genre television, film, literature. It's all good. Doesn't have to be about dark. Doesn't have to be about anything we're covering. And I believe today we hit 
member 200. So I, I know nice. we made a big deal when we hit 100. Yeah. So that is definitely cool. cool. And, and uh, as always, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. Taking over and, the world one step at a time. <laughs> exactly. If you want to reach us, the email address is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can go to our website, sci-fi TV rewatch.podbean.com. And if you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, there's a link on the right side of the page, or you can go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch news. We've been talking about what we were going to do after Dirk gently and Wayne and I talked it out and for us and, and dude, I think you made the most sense in that we're on a roll. It's all fresh in our minds. Why not continue with dark rather than waiting for season three, which is going to be nine months away. It right. looks like. Yeah. So, Strike while the iron is hot, as they say. Right. So what we're going to do is begin a retrospective look at season one, episodes one and two next week. We'll, we'll do them two at a time. It's going to be a spoilerific deep dive into the text as we examine themes, symbols, character development, basic clues that now have much more meaning than they did when the episodes first aired. So if you have not seen the entire series, you better get a move on because we are going to spoil the hell out of Dark for you. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and uh, you can watch them in like a week. So that's oh, a good thing. Too. No question. All right. Do you have a tip this week? Oh, snap. I didn't even think about it. Why don't you say your tip and I'll try to think of one. All right. Now, my tip, and I'm probably not going to pronounce this title correctly, Herons Veja, H-E-R-E-N-S-V-E-J-E. The English translation is Riders Upon the Storm, and it is a Danish series. Uh, You know, I, I... you know, let you guys know that I and my wife are really into international shows of, of all types. And this is a series that follows a family's 250-year history as clerics in the Church of Denmark, which in and of itself I, I've found to be fascinating because in Denmark, the church is essentially financially supported by the government. The government doesn't yeah. interfere in terms of theology and, and and you know moral teachings, but they do you know have a hand in it. And that mm. as late as the nineties, ninety percent of the population were members of the church. I think it's down to seventy five percent now. But in this series, you've got two sons that are dealing with their tyrannical father, his insistence that they carry on the family tradition of the priesthood, and the. Actor Lars Mikkelsen, who plays the father, Johannes Krogh, won the 2018 International Emmy Award for Best Actor. Two seasons, 10 episodes each, currently available on Netflix. It's just really a powerful series. Um, and if you're interested in that kind of thing, family drama, you know, studies of morality, ethics, it's just, it's just really a great series. Cool. All right, well, so I did think of, of one. And actually, I hopefully, I don't think I've said this one before. So did, did I bring up Dairy Girls before? I don't think you have. I think yeah, you I might have asked so. me right. offline. So, yeah, maybe. So, yeah, so uh, my, my pick, again, not a genre show in, in the slightest, um, 
but it's called Dairy Girls, and it takes place in Derry, Northern Ireland, and during the 90s. So it's kind of right, uh, you know, kind of towards the end of the Troubles. Things were starting to chill out a little bit in the 90s um, in, in Northern Ireland. Um, so there's uh, a group of five Catholic high school girls, well, actually four girls and a boy, and the boy is actually uh, an English cousin of one of the other girls, and for fear of him getting beaten up, they sent him to the all-girls school instead of the boys' school. It is so freaking funny. It is probably one of the funniest shows I might have ever seen. There were times I was laughing, crying laughing out loud. It was so fun. Like, it's, it's really, really good. Especially if you do not, if you are not an English speaker, I would definitely put the subtitle. If English is like your main language, I'd put the subtitles on. You might need to put the subtitles on even if you do speak English because they have very thick Northern Irish accents. And sometimes when they get talking pretty quickly, it's, uh, it's tough to find, to to make out what they're saying, but it's uh, it's great. Um, I'll give you an example. Of one of my favorite jokes where the you know this girl it's her first day of school and she comes down. She's got a jean jacket on. Her mother's like, "What what are you doing?" And the girl's like, "Well, I'm a teenager. I can make my own decisions. I'm going to be an individual. And I'm going to do my own thing." And the mother just says to like her sister, like get me the wooden spoon and you just see her, her face just drops. <laughs> and then the next thing she's walking out of the house with her school blazer on. And, uh, then one of her friends comes up and she's got a jean jacket on and she says, well, where's your jean jacket? She says, ah, my mom made me change it. And the girl says, well, I'm not going to be an individual by myself. <laughs> so yeah. this is clever. I mean, it's just really, really funny. It's uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's, yeah, it's you know, uh, two seasons, six episodes. Each episode is about twenty five minutes long. Uh, you can easily watch it in two nights. You could probably watch it in one night if you're really motivated. Yeah, we saw the first couple episodes, and I'm not sure why we didn't go on because, as you said, it was pretty darn funny and. Uh, you know, there's a certain attraction, you know, maybe having been a teacher for so long, uh, you know, that that age is just so, so fascinating to watch. And, uh, you know, as you said, it's really, really well done. Yeah. And what I like about a show like Dairy Girls that overblows things and everything and, and exaggerates things, but I think really strikes a lot more, a lot truer to the experience of the universal experience of teenagers, whether you're in Northern Ireland or Northern Indiana, high school and, and young adulthood is the same pretty much for everyone. And to, to see it go, it's just, you know, and that's, I think the best part is really, it, I think it, 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 if you were a teenager in high school at any point, this show will speak to you, whether, no matter whether, whatever language you speak or place you live or religion you follow, you'll appreciate this. All right, cool. Well, let's move on to Dirk Gently, and this is actually listed as episode 00, and and a lot of times shows will designate a pilot that way because they're not convinced it's going to get picked up, and that perhaps seems to be the case here because this one aired December 16th, 2010, and then the three-episode miniseries, if you want uh didn't appear until i believe it was 2012 so yeah it was like uh, march of 2012 yeah right so this is titled pilot written by howard overman who wrote for merlin 
Misfits, which is a show that has been suggested to us on more than one occasion. Future Man, directed by Damon Thomas, who directed some episodes of Penny Dreadful, Killing Eve, and as I said, aired uh, December 16th, 2010. So, I mean, the three main actors, Stephen Mangan, who plays Dirk, Darren Boyd, who plays Richard McDuff, and Helen Baxendale, who plays Susan, uh, are... I think it'll be the the focal points to a large degree. But as you said at the beginning, this is a loose adaptation of plot elements from Adam's 1987 novel, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, though it does update the detective to the present day, focuses on just a few of the uh, characters and plot threads. And it aired on BBC Four initially and, and was the first continuing drama series on that channel and of course led to the three-part miniseries so yeah the first thing first thing that i noticed and i've said this a number of times over the past seven years it's great to see a show in which the director allows a scene to really unfold rather than resort to incessant jump cuts between scenes as if we'll stop watching if we don't know what the other characters are doing. And from the moment we see Dirk with the little old lady in the opening scene to the explosion in the warehouse, over seven minutes elapses. And, and yet it, it felt like mere moments to me. So right. I really love that. They, they didn't have any terribly long scenes like that in the rest of the episode, but they did allow the scenes some room to breathe. And, and I really did right. like that. Yeah, and part of that it was obviously the minute we see the lady and she's speaking about someone gone missing. Obviously, we're thinking it's a cat. While we, while I, you're you're thinking that, um, it's still funny when the reveal, you know, the gag plays out and you realize this whole time she's talking about we thought a missing person, but it's actually a missing cat. Well, we saw that coming, but it's still funny. Yeah, it's just. Douglas Adams' writings, outside of his Doctor Who work, have not always translated well to the screen. Famously, it took Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, what was, I think it was, you know, close to 10 years after he died, before that movie got made, and he had tried to get it made into a movie, like, for years and years unsuccessfully. There was a miniseries on BBC that's actually quite good and very funny. You know, really, his his stuff doesn't always directly translate to the screen. So you have to do some things, like, because he was never, like, great with, like, plot, for example. Adam Douglas is definitely not known for his amazing plots to his books. He basically has a loose structure packed with loads and loads of jokes. And that's, if if you do that, then you're going to succeed. So I think that ties in with what you're saying here is they, they let the jokes happen and, and the hilarity happen, not really super worried about the story itself. Though it is a somewhat, a pretty compelling story, but really it's, it's the characters and the jokes and the actions and all the funny stuff that happens that's really um, makes, drives this episode. Right. And dude, it turns out to be a time travel story. So, right. Right. I mean, how cool is that? But you know, as you said, the, the fact that the missing person, I'm making air quotes, turns out to be a cat. Did you feel, because I certainly didn't, but 
was it predictable that she turns out to be the bad guy? I mean, is that something that, that you picked up on sooner rather than later? No. Well, once they said like her husband, once they started mentioning her husband, missing him, like, ah, it's probably the old lady, you know? Um, but certainly not in this first scene at all. Okay. Now, one of the things that I also notice, and I do not mean this as a detraction, quite the contrary. For me, it's impossible to not connect it with Benedict Cumberbatch's portrayal of Sherlock, which debuted only five months earlier. Of course, from the start, the tone is much lighter than Sherlock. Dirk's a bit sillier. And as Michael Jacobs points out in the Facebook group, this version has a much more British feel to it than the 2016 adaptation, which has clearly been Americanized to a large extent. We understand that. There's no hobbits in this one. (laughs) Right. But I I, I just couldn't help but make that connection. And and I really found that to be compelling, intriguing. I just loved it. It didn't take away. I didn't feel like they were trying to copy Sherlock in any way, almost as if they're companion pieces and that if you like one, you'll like the other. Right. Well, and that's actually funny because I know there is like, you know, you can look at Sherlock Holmes versus Dirk Gently as detectives. And, you know, Sherlock Holmes is always the kind of the, you know, um, the very logical, rational, step-by-step based on clues and Dirk Gently is kind of the dotty fly by the seat of his pants let's follow things around randomly and you know like so whereas you know Holmes is observing what's in front of him to try and get the larger picture uh, Dirk is just taking the larger picture to try and figure out what's in front of him right I mean he is deductive like Sherlock but He's investigating the interconnectedness between all things, which is, of course, the basis for holistic detectiving, if that's even (laughs) a word. Well, and Uh, and it's funny because then there's no, for Dirk, there's no such thing as a coincidence, right? Like everything happens for a reason so that when he just decides, I'm just going to follow some random person, well, it ends up being important, you know? Right. And dude, again, it's so funny as I'm looking at my notes after I type them up. Well, that's almost like something I'd have in my notes for an episode of Dark, but uh, clearly, clearly not Dark. Now, the other thing, it it felt like this Pink Pantherish music, which again was perfect. That he still has the same beat up car from his university days. Uh, that yeah, I'm pretty sure the- that's that's like because that's kind of a running joke in the American series as well. I I seem to remember that being a, a kind of like a running joke in in the novels as well. That the the old car that is extremely unreliable, right? And, and then a, a very nice bastardization of the Schrodinger's cat experiment, <laughs> which was. Uh, it just just really really fun. It yeah. paints over the whiteboard rather than erase it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's you great. know that, that's perfect. When you see him just painting over, the, I don't even know if it's a whiteboard. I think it's just the wall. They okay. just writes on and then paints over it. Uh, you know, but I guess at his heart, uh, he's kind of a con man. I mean, he's the epitome of the bad friend. If he if you invite him over, 
he grabs whatever food he can, stuffs his pockets with it. He he leaves others to pay the bills, but you can't help but love the guy, which I yeah. suppose is why people are drawn to him, or at least the the few that we well, see sure. in this episode. Well, it's just so. I mean, this is like Douglas Adams' whole view of the universe, right? It's just the the incredible absurdity of of everything, but yet there being some central like that that's like the, the big paradox in Douglas Adams right that the universe is basically chaotic and absurd but yet there is some kind of order behind it dirk runs up these extravagant tabs but no one ever pays him so he's not over he's, he's not overcharging cuz no one ever pays him you know so that's also this great you know running joke of of the whole thing is that you know he you know will like the the refrigerator he charges to to Mrs. Jo- Jordan right was her name Yes Jordan Yeah uh yeah so he charges her for a refrigerator because his landlord has locked up his old one uh back in his apartment so just things like that it's just so it, like it's hilarious it's just so funny and the, the thing about dirk is he just kind of as you said he just kind of continues on right he just goes through life and he's not fussed about you know things like i mean like even though people don't pay him it doesn't it doesn't seem like it bothers him terribly much it seems like he'd really like for people to pay him but he doesn't get too bent out of shape when they don't Right. And his secretary, and we've seen this sort of a setup before, even in Jessica Jones, it's it's sort of like this as well. Yeah, yeah. I only came back to make sure you notice me when I finally leave for good, <laughs> she tells him. So just just a really great character, really introduced well. Uh, you're, you're talking about Douglas Adams and, and some of the thematic ideas. What is the only uniform number that's universally retired in Major League Baseball? Well, 42. 42. But it's, <laughs> it's not because it's Douglas Adams. So. <laughs> oh, it's not? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, the opening scene, you kind of alluded to already. Dirk has been hired to find Mrs. Jordan's missing cat, Henry. But the explosion in the nearby warehouse opens up new possibilities because now billionaire gordon way has gone missing there's a connection to the warehouse Uh, his car is parked outside and the parallel disappearance of henry the cat and the disappearance of billionaire gordon day just really tie the whole episode together just really delightfully i I just it's i I can't tell you how much i enjoyed this episode right well that's the the genius of it is that you know these things that most people would say have absolutely nothing to do with one another, but for Dirk, well, it's you know because everything is interconnected. This whole this quantum interconnectedness of all things. So no matter how seemingly different or or unrelated things are, for Dirk, they it is, everything is interconnected. Everything is related. So a missing cat, missing billionaire. Same thing. We're going to run down both leads. Right. Because the first reaction, I think, for many people would be, well, why are you still fixated on the cat? The missing billionaire clearly has more to do with the explosion in the warehouse. But of course, it doesn't turn out to be that way. (laughs) Again, I wonder whether Sherlock would have immediately suspected Mrs. Jordan. I mean, Dirk isn't naive. 
so it goes back to what is it that keeps him on the cat's trail? As you said, it's that interconnectedness that he has really bought into as a, a, a real concept and, and something that, that really works despite the fact that many people don't see it as well. All right. And now, we'll add into that, the, the discovering an old uh, college uh, friend breaking into the house next door and everything like, you know, all these things like Dirk just runs them down. Like this is clearly happening for a reason. Beware McDuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I assume you told me you watched the first episode of the mini series. I assume his friend, Richard McDuff becomes his uh, partner, his uh, yes. Watson to. Right. Well, because he, yeah, yeah. He, he gives them the, the hypnotic suggestion that uh, he become his business partner, right? So, <laughs> right. So and, that's, you know, that uh, that happens, right? <laughs> and, and they reacquaint as McDuff is breaking into his girlfriend's home, which is next door to the little old ladies. And it seems he sent her an email he'd rather have back. So he was going in to steal the laptop and all of that. Needs Dirk's help to hack her computer, which. Again, a scene I love that Dirk outsources it to some school kid that he pays in cigarettes. I just, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's almost like money is a concept that he doesn't relate to. That it's this weird barter system, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just this kind of belief that the the universe will take care of him one way or the other or the universe will sort everything out and that he'll be okay and it's kind of like you know kind of blind faith in that uh in that basic tenant yep so uh so on to the case they learn that a dr Furstenberger psychiatrist was the last person to see way alive so they track him down and it's not really physical humor i'll, I'll just call it over the top humor Dirk gets an audience with the doctor, and it's pretty clever how he gets access <laughs> to the was, doc's files. That was hilarious. I, just, I, I love that because you're like, it, it's so perfect. Like, he tells Richard to lie down on the ground. You're like, I mean, it's like it's like a perfect like, microcosm of, of Dirk's view of the universe. We don't understand why this is happening. We don't understand why he's having Richard lying on the ground like that. It doesn't seem to make any sense. It certainly doesn't seem to have any part of what he wants to do. But then when he plays it all out, it's perfect. You know, I mean, this contorted pose and yeah, yeah. Uh, it was so it was we, just so funny. Like, oh my god! Like, and of course the acting. He's acting like he was all distressed and everything. And oh my god! Sure. Now, turns you're so out satisfied when you finally figure out why he had. Richard lie on the ground. You're like, you're like, oh, now I get it. that is actually really clever. You know, yeah, yeah. Now we learned that McDuff's girlfriend, Doctor Susan Harmison, is actually a doctor, but the stolen files reveal that she may have been having an affair with the billionaire Gordon Day. So Dirk goes to see her, Gordon Way, and, I believe. And I love his first question: Did you ever see Henry and Gordon together? Because he's still on the primary case, or is he? Again, as yeah. we said, it bears repeating that 
everything is connected. And, and I think Fred posted a couple of things on the Facebook group from other shows yeah. that have used well, but, that. But that scene is also great because he comes in and Susan plays it out like he's there for a, you know, for a checkup. So she has him drop his pants, bend over. She puts on the latex glove like she's about to you know examine them. And only then does she reveal to him that, well, she knows he's there to ask her questions and everything. It's just, right. oh my God, that was, that was just too funny. But then as the details of this 1994 incident start unfolding, everything starts to fall into place. I mean, we still really can't predict the time travel aspect of it right. yet, but we certainly know that this conspiracy goes a lot deeper than than really we imagined given you know the focus on the cat and and other things because we learned that dirk had backed his car into gordon way who was on his way to see susan this is back in 1994 because it, it's one of those situations where he doesn't show she had given an ultimatum you know hey if you don't show by six o'clock or whatever we're finished he of course doesn't show because he got hit by dirk's car and she doesn't believe the story and of course we see in the flashback that it's actually true and it happens as we might expect it would happen with mcduff and dirk right and you know he is under the belief that you know mcduff is kind of at the is central to everything that's going on, which is kind of true, but it's also just as much Dirk is central to all this stuff. Right. And at this point, we're now we're, we're thinking that, okay, there's gotta be a connection between Mrs. Jordan's missing husband and the cat that turned up in 1994. And Dirk lays out his theory to Susan, Mrs. Jordan and McDuff that, Gordon was using a time machine to go back in time to correct the mistake he made that sabotaged his relationship with Susan. And dude, how many times have we said it never works out the way you think it's going to work out? Yep. Can't change the past. Or you, you certainly can't. should not stop and see old ladies who have just killed their husband. Yes. Just I mean, keep I'm walking. Thinking how very Gatsby of him to think he could actually do that. And right. you know, the fact that he's become a billionaire and, but he thinks Gordon traveled through time, and since Henry the cat was in the warehouse, it too traveled through time. The cat found himself in 1994 and ran home to Mrs. Jordan's. And I'm just sitting there watching this with this smile on my face. It's like, <laughs> how freaking awesome yeah. is this story? Yeah. Well, it's funny because Susan is listening to this with just utter dis- – and you got to have – you know, the straight man, you know, she's a time machine. Well, this is crap. <laughs> you know, right. Like, just like this total disbelief and just, you know, she's even, you know, tells like Mrs. Jordan, like, you know, like, don't tell me you believe this junk, you know? Well, and then we're watching Mrs. Jordan make tea for them and, and we see her pouring stuff in the coffee. And of course, we assume she's poisoning them. They then assume she poisoned them. They they all go to the hospital. Uh, well, she yeah, tells yeah. them that she poisoned them. Right, right, right. And no, you guys haven't been poisoned. You're fine. Yeah. When they return, <laughs> she's dead, having killed herself. Which 
you know, if there was one aspect that didn't seem to fit with the overall tone of the episode, it it was that. But eh, it's okay. I mean. Yeah. Well, and actually killing Gordon was kind of not great, too. Well, true. And, And then, again, as the details unfold, they're going through Mrs. Jordan's stuff, and Susan finds a smartphone that has her voicemail to Gordon on it, but it's wrapped in that 1994 newspaper, so we know he had it when he traveled through time, and guess he kept it hidden for you know, 20 years or whatever it was. Well, no, then, it was it was Mrs. Jordan's stuff. Oh, right, 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 right. Because she killed Gordon, took his cell phone, wrapped it up. Right. She's going through Mrs. Jordan's effects, and she finds Gordon's old cell phone. Well, right, so, so he trapped- Cell phone- Right, so I mean that's essentially what gets him killed trying to rewrite the rewrite the past. Yeah. So, uh, uh, anything else you want to bring up? I, I just, I, I guess, I, I, I definitely want to watch the miniseries. I figure oh, I can make a, certainly make a three episode investment. But uh, well, maybe my favorite line was he's talking to the cop. He says, "Did the deceased by any chance leave a check for me?" <laughs> yeah. like, you know like it's just uh it was it was really really good you know like I, like you said it did kind of have a slow boil at the first and so you're thinking uh, i'm not sure not so sure used to like like the new show starts with like action right like right away boom 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 um and so maybe we're not sure of it, but it just plays out perfectly you know like i said it's all about like the, the jokes the characters and their relationships to one another mcduff and dirk really building that you know pretty tight relationship very quickly i just it was great i loved it yeah and and i think they certainly set up a a trio of characters i I assume susan is in the miniseries i guess maybe i shouldn't assume that but yeah duff's girlfriend she is yeah uh, i mean i just watched the the first episode and i don't think she was in that one okay but i'm sure she's in other she's like on the cover of the the dvd so oh then we would assume uh yeah assume she is um and i and i also wonder whether they are self-contained stories a la sherlock and that with maybe some little story arcs that carry through you know like moriarty ish yeah, really good choice. I'm really glad that uh, this was suggested. And yeah, I guess. Oh, it's time. Well, that, that was, I'm sorry. Just one more thing. I just remembered that because I was just looking through my notes. Dirk has this idea of the interconnectedness of everything. So when he goes to Susan and he's complaining about a twinge in his shoulder, and she tells him to drop his pants, he's like, "It's my shoulder, not my pants." But it's like, oh, well, Susan also believes in the interconnectedness of everything. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, and also how right, well, Dirk doesn't he doesn't trust men with mustaches like Hitler and Tom Selleck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a really good joke. Like that was that a good joke. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred has to say on his feedback this week. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred with some feedback for Dick Gently's season one, episode zero. Feedback. Why episode zero? There was a pilot in 2010, and then they had a mini-series of three episodes in 2012, and that was it. 
But because Dave said it was about Dick Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, I went to that series, and that's actually a series from 2016. And the 2016 series is, uh, is US-made, and the 2010 is UK-made. But you probably already talked about that in the, in the podcast. And it's actually Michael Jacobs' Patreon choice. So my feedback won't be too long. Give the floor to Michael, I think. I don't know if he will give feedback uh, himself. But because of this little uh, unclarity in, in which series it was, I first watched the Dick Gentry Holistic Detective Agency Season 1, Episode 1, with Aliyah Wood, who we, of course, know of The Lord of the Rings. I have to say, it's a bit funny, but I can imagine that a lot of people find it very funny. I have a bit of an Monty Python-like kind of humor in it, and... I know a lot of people like Monty Python, as for instance my wife and my youngest son, but I just cannot appreciate that kind of humor. It it doesn't make me laugh. It's just not funny. In that sense, the US series didn't get to me. Although, in this episode, we see Michael Eklund as this uh, guy Martin, that's uh, the one of the three that trashes Todd's apartment in the in the episode. Well, most of you won't have seen it because you have watched the other series. But Michael Eklund is Bobo Del Rey in Winona Earp. I actually met him once when I went to Urpapalooza last year. I will go this year again in St. Louis and then afterwards just hop over to Maryland to visit uh, Dave and Wayne. I did post something on the Winona Earp group on Facebook and then got a lot of reactions. That's my favorite series. And a lot of people did appreciate this Dick Gentry's Holistic Detective Agency a lot. And especially the first season. It's, it's, it seems that the second season became more and more silly. So there are a lot of people out there that like it, but I didn't like it that much. So... Now going to the English version and the pilot, that was less hectic and I liked that a lot more than the US version, but it had still a little bit the same feeling. Although the jokes and the things that Dick Gently uh, figures out and how he works, so what I found very, very inventive and funny is when he ordered Richard McDuff to lay on the grass fields in a certain position and then how this went on and that he suggested that he jump down the balcony and the guy looks over the fence and runs down which gives him a nice opportunity to steal the files. Okay, so that was all for this extra episode. Hope you get more Patreons and hope to get more, well, kinds of these tips to watch things. I would have never watched this without this tip of Michael. Okay, that was all for this time. Greetings, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well, Fred, I'm sorry you didn't find it as funny as, as Wayne and I did. Um a little surprised, but yeah, I guess, I guess after dark, I guess you're still in that dark mode and and fortunately you'll be able to stay in that dark mode fred because we're going to continue with that but but i am certainly happy that you pointed out the correct title to me and you know there, there was a little bit of confusion at the very beginning because i didn't realize there was an episode zero because of fred i was able to learn which episode we were really supposed to do so uh anyway all right well i guess we will leave it there 
And that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark, Dirk Gently, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to discuss Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2 of Dark. But until then... You know, Dave, I remember when we first started doing this podcasting, and we, you know, there's certain things we said, we were, things we definitely had goals for, things we were setting aside we wanted to do, and things we didn't want to do. And I remember telling you, I'm not going to make you dance around like Elvis or have sex with a watermelon.